What is up, guys? Combat Addict here. Uh, hope you guys are all doing well. Welcome to the Combat Review. This is our MMA podcast for those of you who have never experienced it before. We've got three kinds of videos on this channel and two kinds of podcasts. Uh, there's this general podcast and then there's the one I do on Saturdays, which is just sort of a general podcast that has nothing to do with combat sports or MMA. And then sometimes I'll do videos that are reviews of fighters or predictions for fights that are going to go down. And that's basically as much as uh, what goes on on this channel. Um, every once in a while I'll make a video about something that has nothing to do with any of that. Uh, but that's uh, if I feel like it. I think I might try to do some more comedic stuff in the future. Uh, just because I have the capability to and I think I'd enjoy that. So that'll probably be, be something in the future. Um, anyways, uh, today is the MMA podcast, so we're going to talk about MMA type stuff, UFC type stuff. Uh, Kamzat Chiamev. Alright, so if you don't know who Kamzat Chiamev is, he is somebody who found his way to the UFC all of, I don't know, a month ago? Um, this guy, <laughs> this guy right here, um, people have, uh, started calling him Ratlip, which is really offensive. I don't think anybody should be calling him that, but it's because of this, uh, this thing here. He's got this weird kind of, uh, scar on his lip. So people have been calling him Ratlip. I think that's kind of fucked up. I mean... It doesn't look bad to me. I mean, yeah, it's not the greatest lip thing, but I actually think it makes him look kind of hardcore, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Anyways, man, uh, this guy came into the UFC, and he's got two wins in 10 days. Uh, and everyone is freaking out about this because, first off, that's the quickest turnaround, I think, in UFC history for fights to fight two times in 10 days and then win both of them dominantly like that. Uh, but secondly, I guess they're looking at this guy like he's supposed to be like the new Habib Nurmagomedov. Which, by the way, it's Habib Nurmagomedov. That's actually the correct pronunciation, apparently. Um, he's from Chechnya originally and he fights out of Sweden. Uh, but uh, Chechnya, basically Russia, you know what I mean? Uh, around the... The Caucasus, I believe, is what that area is called. Similar to the area where Habib might be from. And uh, so everybody is like, well, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. If it, if it talks about Allah and has a beard and grinds people out on the ground, it's probably Habib. So we've just got Habib at 185 or 170 whatever he decides that he's going to want to fight at, all right? Now, he fought at 185 in his debut, and he kicked the dog shit out of John Phillips. Uh, and that guy, you probably don't know who he is, but the reason you don't know who he is is probably because he's not all that important. Um, so they got him, and then uh he fought a couple of days later a guy named Reese Phillips, I believe is his name. Reese McKee, sorry. Reese McKee is his name. 
And this guy, you also probably have never heard of. That's because he wasn't even in the UFC until 10 days prior. So I think that he had gotten the fight on like 10 days notice or something like that. And it's actually really interesting um, that uh, that timeline matches up pretty well, right? And then he fought Kamzat Chemev. Or Ch Chaimaev, whatever. Look, point is, both of these guys that he beat, you don't know who they are. They're pretty much nobodies. That being said, we'll start with something positive. I will say that when I watched the fight with John Phillips, Kamzat did something right away that surprised me. He threw a vicious body kick and then used that body kick to put himself into position for a double leg takedown. And Michael Bisbing even talked about this right after he had done it as well. Um, but just when I saw him do that, I just thought, wow, that's like a really unconventional way to get yourself into takedown range. People don't usually do that. Like when, when, people, when people set up takedowns, in my experience from watching fights or whatever, they usually use their hands. They'll throw hands high, get you to block up here, and then they'll shoot in. They're not throwing vicious body kicks out of the gate and then diving at your legs. So I just thought, oh, like that's just, this is just a different fucking approach that this guy's taking, which pretty cool in my personal opinion. And separate and aside from that, this guy that he beat the first time around had a record of 22 and nine beforehand. So it's not like this guy is, is, uh, uh, green, you know what I mean? This isn't somebody who, who is, doesn't know what they're doing with regard to MMA. At least I don't think, I mean, he's in the UFC and even though his last three fights, he's only won one. I mean, including the fight with, uh, Kamzat point is the guy was good enough that Dana White was like, yeah, okay, whatever, sign him. Okay. So for Kamzat to take this guy down and then just dominate him on the ground for the entire fight, which was like a round and a half, beat his face to a pulp. I mean, the guy was a bloody mess at the end of the first round. And then finish him with a Darce choke of all chokes. I mean, that is, that's really fucking impressive. I mean, it shows that the guy doesn't just have an understanding of how uh, to throw your opponent off. He has an understanding of grappling, obviously, and a good enough handle on jiu-jitsu that he's going to nail a Darce on the very first attempt against somebody who has uh, a total of uh, 31 fights of experience. That's fucking hard, okay? Like, I, I don't... Like, despite what we're going to say about this guy, I just want to say right now that I'm not that I recognize that this guy comes out, he's good, okay? To do that is impressive. Not everyone does that in their UFC debut. 10 days later, he fights Reese McKee and just beats the shit out of him on the ground for like the whole, the entire round. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that was a, was that a TKO, KO? Yeah, TKO. So that fight was much shorter and he just ran up, grabbed him, lifted him over to the cage and just beat him up for the entire time. Now, Reese is some newcomer. I don't even think he was really ready for the UFC. Like, I saw a video of him fighting, and I was like, man, he's getting tagged so much. Like, I feel like if you're going to get, you know, transferred over to the UFC, you need to be much more dominant than this at that level because 
man, they'll tell you. Like, it's a different game. When you get to the UFC, you're not fighting regular human beings, man. You're fighting, like, the best of the best. And if you're not dominant at the regional level, you're going to get spanked in the UFC. So when I saw the video of his fight, I was like, he's getting tagged a lot. Like, this guy may not make it very far in the UFC. But that was just my personal opinion, okay? I could be wrong. He could fight somebody next month and whoop ass. Who knows? I don't know. But he wasn't ready for Kamzat. That is for damn sure, okay? Because uh, he got taken down, held there, and just fucking spanked for the entire round. Now, I was impressed with Kamzat. And I immediately recognized that this guy was very, like, Habibish, okay? But the amount of hype that is following this guy is absolutely fucking insane. Like, can I just say that I have never seen hype like this in my life? This is, and, it, and honestly, it's sort of it's sort of a compliment to how good Habib is. That if we see anybody who even resembles him. We're automatically like, this guy's the next fucking, he's, he's the shit. He is the messiah of grappling. Like, anybody who even resembles Habib gets this huge fucking pat on the back. From even Daniel Cormier. Actually, I think Daniel Cormier's tweet about Kamzat probably uh, aided the hype. But my point is... My point is, everyone is losing their minds over this guy. And, and I'm seeing posts on on UFC Facebook pages and Reddit pages. Not Reddit pages. I feel like Reddit UFC fans are more competent. But like Facebook pages on, on like UFC Facebook pages that are like, Oh, Kamzat versus Michael Chiesa. Or, or oh, Kamzat versus Conor McGregor. And people are like, yo, yeah, like this fight, this this could happen. Yeah, let's book this fight. I think that this should this fight should go down. On Twitter, people are talking about fights like this. And I'm like, are you guys fucking, like, man. If MMA was a book, these people would be fucking illiterate. What are you guys fucking say? What do you mean? What do you mean, let's get Kamzat to fight Michael Chiesa? What do you mean, let's get Kamzat to fight Conor fucking McGregor? Are you guys... <laughs> what the fuck? And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm just blowing smoke out of my ass, no bullshit. No bullshit. This... Okay, look at this. Look at this. This is Kamzat's fucking Twitter page. True story. I flew to Ireland before Habib... A fight to beat up Conor McGregor for what he said about our honor, but they would not let me in the country. You need big security, notorious MMA. Weak man. He's posting memes where he's chasing Conor McGregor down. Then he's going, I'm getting bored. Please, Dana White. Give me Nate Diaz, game-bred fighter, notorious MMA, same night. I can smash all these guys. I'm not cocky guy. I'm just confident. I understand if they don't want to fight me. Connor put out a tweet the other day that said, I accept. It's supposed to be promo for himself. He's trying to keep everybody guessing. And Kamzat goes, beg me. 
even Kamzat is taking this seriously. Like, he's actually... And I guess it's a smart move in that, like, it keeps his name in the conversation and I'm talking about him in a video. But can I just say that at first, this fucking annoyed the shit out of me. I was so mad. I was like, Kamzat, shut the fuck up. You're not ready to fight Jorge Masvidal, the veteran who has put his entire life into this game who literally just got his title shot like three weeks ago. Sit the fuck down, okay? But it's not just him. It's not just him. It's like everybody is riding this guy's dick and trying to give him these high-profile fights. And can I just say, we literally just saw Edmund Shabazian get humbled by a veteran. How is everyone not, like, learning their lesson? Like, you don't just throw these guys in. And the thing is, Edmund Shabazian had more fights before that fight with Derek Brunson. I'm not going to say that he didn't deserve the fight or whatever. He was ranked ninth, right? He's going to have to fight the guy at number eight. My point is just this. Even that guy wasn't ready for the eighth ranked individual. You're going to put Kamzat in a ring with fucking Conor McGregor and expect him not to be eaten alive? Like, what, he's going to wrestle Conor McGregor to death? Okay, well, Habib didn't do it for four rounds. I mean, he did wrestle the fuck out of Conor McGregor, but Conor McGregor arguably survived pretty damn well, or better than most opponents that Habib had. Not only that, Conor McGregor has definitely been working on his wrestling. I mean, I would imagine. So if you really think, Hamzat, that you're going to, like, walk in and spank Conor McGregor, you've got another thing coming. He's going to knock you the fuck out. Like, this isn't a fucking game where, oh, well, I beat some fucking no-names who no one knows. Now I can fight Conor McGregor and, 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 and Jorge Masvidal. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you're out of your mind. I almost want to give him the fights just so he gets fucking murdered in the octagon. But if that wasn't enough, can I just say in terms of respect for the game, just in terms of respect for the fucking game, bro, that can't happen. We can't have some dude walk into the UFC, beat some guy who's only had two fights in the UFC and lost one of them, then beat some other guy who had never had a fight in the UFC before, who didn't have a full training camp, and then we're like, you know what? You get the top contenders now because you look kind of like one of the best champions we've ever seen. No. You guys need to fucking stop. If you were a UFC fan and you were advocating for this guy to fight fucking Jorge Masvidal or Michael Chiesa or whoever, you need to fucking stop, okay? You don't know what you're talking about, alright? I fucking barely know what I'm talking about. And I literally watch like 99% of UFC events that are going down, okay? You need to fucking stop. This guy is not ready for that. And even if he is, he has not earned it, okay? I like the way he fights because I'm a huge fucking Habib fan, okay? I'm a Habib fan, right? So I enjoy it. And I enjoy the fact that he cuts people up and he enjoys that, okay? I enjoy it. But no, I, I like you, but don't fucking do shit like this. Because I just I just look at it and I'm like, oh my fucking, you're so fucking stupid. This is so dumb. Like, how are, like, how are we going to justify that? How are we going to justify giving him, like, 
hold on. Let me just let me just let me just like give you a fucking idea of what it is that these people are asking us to do right now. Okay? We would be asking them to skip Anthony Pettis, Neil Magny, Robbie Lawler, Nate Diaz, Jeff Neal. Well, he said he would fight Nate Diaz, whatever. Vicente Luque, who, by the way, is a fucking beast. I'd like to see him in there with Vicente Luque. Rafael Dos Anjos, Michael Chiesa, Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, Tyron Woodley. And then he would fight Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> Are you guys fucking crazy? I don't even think he can handle Tyron. If Tyron really just, like, actually started to fight... Like he wanted to fight because he hasn't been doing that lately. I don't even think he could handle Tyron. I really think he would try to wrestle Tyron, but I don't even think he could do it. I think I think they'd end up on the feet again or Tyron would submit him on the ground somehow. Knock him out because he's six foot two and Tyron would throw a huge overhand right and end his fucking life. All right. <laughs> I'd like to see him try this shit with Damian Maya. <laughs> like, like no you guys need to fucking stop bro it's too much hype it is too much fucking hype all right look at these names fucking look at them <laughs> we're not giving them these fucking high profile fights man i don't even know the names of any of the guys who aren't in the top 15 the last guy he beat was, as, as far as I can tell, at the bottom of the division. It's too much hype. Y'all need to fucking stop, bro. You know what you need to do? You need to just be saying that I want to see him fight again. I'm okay with that. Because I want to see him fight again, too. I'm okay with that. But the fact... And, honest, and this is something that I also want to talk about. I'm noticing that fighters are having to play this political game and I understand that, that that political game that they're playing is good for their career and they probably don't feel like everything that they tweet out or that they say or that they do it's like how a bunch of people tried to emulate Conor McGregor after he became super famous they're not really doing it because they, they really feel that way like they want to be like that they're doing it because they know that, well, Conor McGregor did it and he pulls these huge numbers, like, of course I'm going to do it too. What those guys don't understand, though, is that it isn't because Conor McGregor dresses a certain way or is flashy that, that he gets these numbers. Conor McGregor is a fucking personality. He's a phenomena. He's a goddamn meteorite made of flesh and bone and you get to witness him do crazy shit all the time. That's why Conor McGregor pulls the numbers that he does. It has nothing to do with just being loud and, 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 and flashy. Like, you have to actually have that personality. So when people did that, I was just like, you're not even fucking doing the right thing. The best thing to do is to be the best version of yourself you possibly can. And if you happen to pull those numbers, great. But if you don't, like, do not try to be Conor McGregor. Because then you just look like a fucking clown. And nobody likes a clown except to make fun of. Anyways, the reason that they were doing that shit is because it would boost their pay-per-view numbers. I mean, that's why Colby Covington even pulled up this whole 
bullshit make America great again act. The reason he's doing it is because it's controversial. It gets people talking about him and now people want to see him fight because they want to see him get his ass whooped, but they, they want to see him fight. I mean, we've all heard of this. I mean, if you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, if you're fucking listening to this, you definitely listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. And if you don't, you need to fucking pause this and go listen to Joe Rogan's podcast right now. MMA podcast, really good. Anyways, point is, he was going to get cut by the UFC. So then he was like, all right, I'm just going to like rip on everybody and be really, really fucking annoying and shitty and douchey. And I bet you that I will get the attention that I want. I'm just going to make this WWE raw type shit. Just be a fucking character. And it worked. Like I have seen his fights now. Like I, I saw, I saw even the fights up and up, um, like before the Kamaru Usman fight. And he actually, He's a good fighter. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. The, the guy can fight. So, um, you know, that's that's an example of what I'm talking about. People are doing things because they need to in order to leverage their ability to negotiate for more money or to be even, even uh, popular enough for people to want to see them fight. You know what I mean? That has a big, that's a big part that's played in the fights that get made, you know? It's really, I don't, I don't see how any fighter is ever going to get to a point where they can kind of be like Conor McGregor and just waltz into the fight game whenever they want to. I mean, that's, that's really hard to be, to, to have that option. I mean, usually guys get there like when they're retiring and they're in their, you know, older years, like GSP has got that luxury. You know, if GSP just wants to waltz into a fight game again, he can do that. But that's because GSP's a legend. And it isn't because of GSP's personality per se, it's that in combination with the accomplishments that he has. So anyways, the main point that I'm getting to here, and I've been talking for a while now, is that the stuff that this guy comes out is, you know, throwing around on Twitter, I imagine is, is something like that. Or at least I hope that's what it is. I mean, if it's, if it's not that, then I would be fucking surprised. I mean, if he's actually out here telling telling uh conor mcgregor to call call his uncle then uh i mean his head is way too big for his body but i guess he's doing it because look man if you had if you like this is a golden opportunity people say you know bad publicity is still good publicity that's like the motto of colby covington and I wouldn't even be making a, like, I wouldn't even be talking about this guy on the podcast if he wasn't saying this outrageous shit, but he is. And for that reason, I'm talking about him. So I get why he's doing it, if that's why he's doing it. But if he's serious about all of this, then I just, there's just a level of like fucking, I don't even, I just fucking, it, it makes me, I just like, it's just fucking gross. It just feels kind of gross. It's like this fucking guy, man. And I want to like him too. Which is why when he's saying stuff like this and posting these memes of Conor McGregor, it's just like, man, this is so fucking weak. Like, what are you doing? Especially because at the end of the day, Conor McGregor isn't going to respond to this guy. He's not going to respond to him. Like, it's not worth his time. But if Conor does... Bro, if Conor responded to this guy, it'd be a wrap. Like, Conor would have lost. If Connor responds, he loses because it's like this dude who like barely, look, man, unless you're a, like a relatively active fan of the UFC, you don't know who Kamza Chemev is. Even if you saw him fight, you don't know his fucking name. So 
So I guess it's just like a Hail Mary. He's just throwing... He's just fucking chucking this ball into the bleachers, hoping that somebody catches it. And that's why he's, like, calling out all these guys. But really, I think it would have been smarter if he just... I mean, I, I don't know. If you're really that good and you really think you're going to be able to beat these guys, like, what you just need to do is just fight as often as you possibly can and people will start talking about you for that reason. As opposed to, like... I'm just calling out fights that I have no right to call out. I don't know. That's just my opinion. That's what I think. Because he just seems like an arrogant asshole, kind of. Like, doing this. But, anyways, man. Anyways. Stop hyping this guy up so much, man. We need to see him actually fight people who are, who are good. Not these nobodies who he fucking eats in one round. Alright? Speaking of uh, those fight nights, though, uh, I just wanted to. Or should I? Should I even? Should I talk about that or talk about? You know what? Speaking of speaking of Conor McGregor, we'll go with that one. Uh, people have been talking about who he's gonna fight next. Um, look, man, I made a meme. Actually, let me go find this fucking meme. So I can show you what the fucking, where did I put this fucking meme? It's actually not even that funny. Like I, look, if you want to see this meme, go to my Instagram or my Twitter. Okay. Uh, it's, um, it's, uh, the combat addict. Okay. No spaces or any of that shit. And you can go find that meme. I'm not going to go find this meme right now, but basically the premise of the meme is that Conor McGregor's next opponent is going to be Tony Ferguson. And I don't know why everybody's talking about him fighting Dustin Poirier. I think that that's really odd. Uh, but Conor McGregor's next opponent at lightweight, if he fights at lightweight, is Tony Ferguson. All right. Uh, if he fights at welterweight... He's probably going to fight Jorge Masvidal. I'm going to be straight with you. Like, he's not going to want to fight Colby. Leon Edwards isn't going to pull any numbers. Gilbert is fighting for the title. Tyron is probably going to fight Leon. Steven Thompson is a bad matchup for him with respect to just um, physical attributes, I would say. Jorge Masvidal is the fight at that, at that weight class. Like, all of these fights are pretty, like, not... Either they're not available or they're not good for Conor. If he's going to fight... At lightweight, he's gonna fight Tony. All right. The reason I say he's gonna fight Tony, and I guess I'll give you the visual so you can see what I'm saying here. So this is the division, right? First off, I don't even know why Habib told Justin to fight Connor. I honestly think it had something to do with the fact that he was mourning the death of his father, and that must be why he's like, "Don't fight me. Go fight Connor first, and then come fight me." I, that seems like a really weird thing that Gaethje would say, or a Habib would say. If it has nothing to do with his father, I think it's because he knows that Gaethje is the guy who, who's been wrestling his entire life. So he's gonna have a hard time holding him on the ground. And if they get up on the feet, Gaethje's winning the fight. Like he's fucking knocking Habib out probably if they really go five rounds. And I actually do believe that Gaethje is going to win that fight. Unfortunately, Habib is probably going to be dethroned in September. And while I love Habib, 
I just don't see how he's going to hold Gaethje down for an entire fight. The dude's been wrestling his entire life, just like Khabib. And if you know anything, man, I, I, I really believe this. If you do full body workouts or full body activity, that farm strength that people talk about when you're a kid and you grow older, I'm telling you, your ability to output strength despite your body size is exponentially increased. I used to play football with a guy and I won't say his name, but we could just call him K. I used to play football with this guy. We'll call him Kevin or something, right? With this guy named Kevin, all right? Now, Kevin wasn't much bigger than anybody else. He wasn't much smaller than anybody else. He was really just quite moderate in size. But when you looked at his body, you could see that he was solid. You could just see that he was solid. And he had been playing sports his entire life. Sports like football. The first person who ever knocked me on my ass in practice was Kevin. And I really believe that him playing a sport like football, that is full body, full body, moving bodies, squats, explosive, explosive behaviors at a young age, it increased the threshold for strength and power overall that he had. I noticed that people tell me that I am insanely strong. Not insanely strong, but that I'm really strong. I started playing football when I was 14. I stopped playing football when I was 19. That's five years of my life, some of which I was playing football for like eight, nine months out of the year, right? Doing nothing but training five days a week, three days a week for two hours at a time, doing squats, running sprints. That changed my body fundamentally so that I am just stronger, I imagine, than people imagine I'm going to be when they actually roll with me or do whatever. Now, I also lifted weights, but I don't think that the weights were really what did it. I really think that it was the full body exercise and activity. And that would make sense because wrestlers are notorious for just being crazy strong. And what have they been doing since they were a youth? full body workout wrestling. So I imagine that Habib, the reason that he is so dominant is because it is very rare for you to find somebody who's really just been wrestling since they were like six. I mean, all of the wrestlers that we really know who are notable usually started in high school or something like that. So Habib has got this advantage over so many of his opponents, right? Even Conor McGregor, like obviously he wasn't wrestling. You know what I mean? Uh, Edson Barboza, he wasn't wrestling. Michael Johnson, I can't even remember if Michael Johnson was a wrestler, but I don't think he was wrestling at a very young age. But Justin, he's got that X factor. So I don't really think that Habib, I think Habib knows this. I think Habib is aware that he's going to be dealing with somebody who's got what he's got. And he needs time to work on his striking because otherwise... He's going to get fucked up. Like, I'm telling you guys, it's not going to be pretty. Like, Habib losing... Okay, look, look, here's the thing. There's a chance that Habib will win, okay? But I'm telling you, if Habib loses this fight, it's going to be ugly because he's... It's going to be bad. He's going to get knocked out or he's going to get cut the fuck up. I'm telling you. I'm calling that right now. Anyways, man... If you wanna, if you wanna get your, if you wanna make your kid a kid a world champion, what you need to do is you need to get him to start wrestling at six years old, and keep him wrestling.
for his entire life. You do that, you'll have a UFC champion. Anyways, well, not necessarily because I also believe that in the next 10 years, everybody in the UFC at the highest levels will be wrestlers or be able to wrestle. Anyways, um, the point that I was making here is that Justin is going to fight Khabib, okay? And Dustin isn't going to fight anybody until that fight happens. And then Dustin is getting the next title shot. That's exactly how this is going down. In my mind, with respect to... Uh, if you want to talk about having respect for the game, right? If you want to talk about having respect for the game, that's how this goes down. Because... I'll explain why. Dustin also said that he's not planning to fight again for a while. Like, he's probably not even going to fight again this year, I think he said. So it would make sense that he just waits for the winner of that title fight, which is happening in September. Because he's not really going to fight again until, what, the earliest, like, December? Something like that. So he'll probably take the title fight around that time. Conor McGregor, I think, said he's going to plan to fight in February, which makes sense... If what he's doing is waiting for the opportunity to fight for the title. But here's the thing. And this is where respect for the game comes into play. It, it applies for Kamzat, but it also applies for Conor McGregor. I don't think he can just fight for the title again. Does anybody else feel that that is completely unwarranted? And that he doesn't have the right to just come in and fight for the title again without fighting anybody else? He's got to fight somebody at lightweight. He has to. I don't even think Dana White would stand for that. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of money, but I, I feel that Dana has more respect for the game than, than that. I don't think that Dana White is going to allow either Connor to fight for the belt without winning before Dustin or to allow Connor to fight for the belt after Dustin without Connor fighting. He's got to fight Tony. And the reason that he's got to fight Tony, and this, this, is, this, is, this is how I feel about this. The reason that he's got to fight Tony is because it is the, the smartest business decision. It is the smartest title contention decision. And it is the one that poses the least amount of risk with respect to his position uh, in the lightweight division. All three of those things together. If he fights anybody else... He's going to risk some of these things, okay? If he fights Dan Hooker, monetarily it's not as good. And also, if he happens to lose for whatever strange reason, um, then he, he, he uh, loses his position in the division. If he fights, uh, well, anybody, well, anybody under him, that's what happens, right? Um, if he fights Tony Ferguson and wins... Then he can fight for the championship. If he fights Tony Ferguson and loses, then at least he's still ranked number four or, or around there. Right? He doesn't have access to Justin Gaethje and Poirier's just not going to fight him. So even if he wants to fight Poirier, he doesn't have the, the chance to. For that reason, I'm telling you right now, the fight is going to be Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson. And if it's not Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson, there's going to be some bullshit where Conor McGregor gets back-to-back -back title fights even though he hasn't been active for two years just because. Or 
like Justin Gaethje or Habib uh, gets injured in September and Connor steps in. Somebody gets injured, which is maybe what he's waiting for. Maybe he's hoping that somebody's going to get injured. If he fought for the interim title belt because somebody got injured, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'd be like, all right, well, whatever, fuck it. But honestly, I don't even think they give that fight to Connor. I really think that if somebody gets injured, if Habib gets injured or Justin gets injured, the person who's fighting for the interim belt is Dustin Poirier. So even then, I don't think that that's going to go down like that. Right? Um, and then even at that point, he's going to have to fight whoever loses the interim fight. Like, he's not going to get a shot at the interim champ until whoever was uh, injured, you know what I mean, comes back. So, yeah, man, I, I really think that he's not going to be able to get a shot at that belt before he fights somebody else. And it's uh, if nobody gets injured and nothing goes down, it's going to be Tony. It's going to be Tony. That's the only fight that makes sense. That's the only fight that's fair to everybody else. It's not even fair. It, even if Dustin P Poirier wanted to fight Conor McGregor, Actually, well, I mean, if you wanted to, then whatever. But, like, I like my point is that Dustin Poirier has worked way too fucking hard for us to just give Connor that fight with him. Okay, here you go, Dustin. Here's all of this risk. You've worked really hard and been active for the past two years, and this guy has been fucking, you know, making business moves and stuff. But give him the opportunity to take everything you've worked for. Dustin's not going to fucking do that. The person who needs redemption right now is Tony Ferguson. The person who needs redemption right now is also Conor McGregor. They're the guys who are going to fight. Anyways, man. Respect the game. That should be it. All right? Last thing I wanted to talk about today. It's just like just like a just a thought I had, just like a concept. You know how like people talk about like you know you're you're born or whatever like let's say you believe in 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 love in some sort of like intangible sense like you're like you were born to be soulmates with another person right or you're like born to be best friends with another person you know what I mean let's say you believe that or maybe you don't believe that but let's just talk about the interesting phenomena or that 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 is a, that is a phenomena just finding somebody or something that you have a relationship with that is just like perfect like you can't even imagine what your life would be like if you didn't meet this person friend spouse whatever right take in that that exists when it comes to fighting Fighting is a relationship between two warrior spirits, as you'd like, as you want to call it, right? This is the essence of trilogies. This is why trilogies are so important to, to all of us. This is why everyone is excited for DC's Steep A3. This is why everybody wanted to see DC fight John Jones a third time. This is why everybody wants to see the Conor McGregor Habib rematch. Actually, not necessarily. 
And I'll get into that more and more later. But the point is, when you have two, two opposing forces that come together to create a spectacle, there is a relationship there. There is an energy there that we all really appreciate. And I imagine that for the fighters, sometimes, by the end of their career, they remember one opponent, one opponent, or maybe two, that they that they feel like a connection to because of what they both went through while fighting each other. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I imagine that, and it doesn't even have to be super high profile fighters, okay? These guys are pretty well known. If you're a fan of the UFC, you probably know these guys. I'm talking about the Bobby Green and Venata fight saga. I think they got fight of the night this last weekend that they fought and also the last time that they fought, uh, what was it, a year ago or something like that? These guys are so evenly matched, it is stupid. They one guy drops the other, the guy gets up and drops his the you know his opponent. They're 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 landing good shots both ways, either side. You can't tell who's winning this round or that round or what, but they just keep going at it. It's a war. When they retire, are they going to feel like, yeah, the best fights that I had were against that guy? It's like no matter what I did, I couldn't get an edge on that guy. But, but, but I wouldn't give an inch either. And I guess the relationship is that of rivals, right? It's weird to think that when they were born, wherever they were born, okay, they had no idea that they were going to have this intense battle-like experience with each other on multiple occasions and push each other to their limits. This is something that, like, mind you, think about it like this. They will never experience what they experienced with each other with anyone else ever. Unless they, you know, they find somebody else who they're relatively evenly matched with. But even then, how many of those guys are you going to run into? One, maybe two? How many, for example, let's say that we have a Whaley Yuana trilogy. And they're all like that. Like that first one. Take in that that they will never, like, as long as they live, those fights will be the fights that they remember as the most challenging, the most entertaining, the most, the most notable, the most difficult fights that they had. And it was because of that other person. One born in China, one born in, I don't even remember where Yuana is from, had no idea, had no idea that they would be um, 
interacting with each other in the future come together and create a symphony of violence. There is a relationship there that they will find nowhere else ever. And it's just interesting to think that if the idea of soulmates or people that you, you know, that, that you, you know, need in your life or that you couldn't, you know, think of living out without, without in your life is real, if that exists, that on some level, the warrior spirit and having that equal and opposite force, the yin to your yang with regard to combat, that exists. You met that person in the octagon and that is the only place you will meet them and you will never meet anyone else like them in that way for the same amount of time for the rest of your life. The most amount of time that you will spend with them, if you have a trilogy, is 75 minutes. That's it. 75 minutes of your life for your warrior spirit. I don't know, man. I just thought that was interesting. I just thought that that was cool. You know what I'm saying? That it's uh, it's uh, it's really a relationship that you're entering with the person. It's a relationship of violence and opposition, but that's what it is. Like you, you got to dance with somebody, right? And and uh, when they get older and they look back on the fight game, and and they see each other again in the future, I feel like I feel like there'll be some sort of uh, uh, affinity there. Like, yeah, this is the person that I, I fucking went to the depths of hell with and, and came back and uh, we both gave each other a run for our money and I have never met a motherfucker tougher than them in my life. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, um, I don't know. There's something about that that's kind of beautiful. Very interesting and very beautiful. Anyways, man, I gotta do, like, some fucking grocery shopping and shit. Uh, I really don't want to do any of that right now. Grocery shopping has got to be the worst fucking thing that any human being has ever had to do. I don't know why why they make us do it. <laughs> Anyways, man, uh, that's that's it for the combat the combat review today, guys. That those are those are the three things I wanted to talk about. Seems like more than three things, but really we only talked about three things if you think about it. Without all the detours, um, if you like this podcast but you don't want to have to watch it on YouTube, I got it on iTunes, Google Play, and uh, or Apple Podcast, sorry, Google Play and Spotify and some other podcasts that I can't remember the names of right now. Uh, if you want to watch some of my shorter content, I got some 10 minute, eight minute videos, fighter reviews, predictions, things like that in the YouTube, YouTube video section of my channel page. 
you want to talk to me on social media, hit me up at The Combat Addict on Instagram and Twitter. And this is really quite super irrelevant to my channel. But if you want to see me play video games, the underscore combat underscore addict is the Twitch handle. So do with that what you will. If you want me to talk about something in one of my podcasts, comment. I will read the comments. I will look at them and I will determine whether or not I should talk about something for you. If you like my video, if you got criticisms, if you got ideas, let me know, my friends. Let me know. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you like me. And uh, enjoy the rest of your night, guys, for real.